Well, I have the opportunity this week, as I mentioned previous, to talk about talent. This is the second in our sermon series, Open-Handed Living. And last week, Pastor Alex opened with talking about time uh, and how we ought to invest our time. And he did a tremendous job outlining what it means to invest our time in things that are really the most important. And he defined that as things that draw us and others closer to Jesus. And so if you missed that message, I'd invite you to go back, newlifexn.org or also on the app and watch that message because what, what I really took away from that as I sat and reflected upon it over this previous week is that those things that bring us closer or others closer to Jesus, that relational aspect is, is frankly the most important thing of our Christian faith. The God of the universe wants to have a relationship with us which is incredible to think about, right? And that's really his goal. God's relationship with us is the thing that he cares about the most. And again, that's an incredible promise. Pastor Chris has been walking us as a staff through Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God. Uh, We actually preached through it a couple, well, gosh, I don't even know how long ago it was, but several months ago, perhaps a year or two ago. And if you've yet to read Experiencing God by Blackaby, uh, go ahead, get on your phone right now, go to the Amazon and, and you know, download or, or order Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God. It's an incredible book. But Blackaby says that God's always at work around us and we get to partner with him. That's the, the primary point of his book. And then as we work with him, we come to know God by experience. But Blackaby says about 8 million times in a variety of ways that God, God holds that the relationship we have with him is the most important thing. And we ought to invest our time in that, in the things that draw us or others closer to Jesus, in that relationship. Friends, that's foundational. We can't talk about talent until we begin to invest time. Because it's out of that relationship that God begins to invite us to do things with him. And the Apostle Paul makes that very clear in our passage for today. We're actually going to be looking at what, for me, is one of my favorite passages. If you've never looked at this passage, it's Romans chapter 12. Man, I hope it's as encouraging for you as it has been for me throughout my life, because it has just been a tremendous opportunity. It'll be a tremendous opportunity for us to walk that through today. But before we get to the passage, we know that as God brings us into relationship with Him, that out of that, we have a desire to serve Him, right? Like we want to do something. We go, God, you know, what would you have me do? How can, how can I be about your work? That's really our heart cry. And we go, God, you know, perhaps you've given me these talents or these gifts. Or for others of us, we go, God, I don't know how you can use me because I don't really feel that talented or I don't feel that gifted. And frankly, friends, nothing could be further from the truth because we are all talented. Every human being, whether they know Jesus or not, we're going to talk about this a little bit deeper today, has, a, has talent because we're created in the image of God. Scripture says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We are a cherished creation. Now, when we come to know Jesus, there's even more stuff, which is incredible. But just by the fact that we are made in the image of God, we all have gifts and talents and abilities that we get to bring to the table. And some of us go, but I'm not that talented. It's interesting because if you were to look throughout the Bible and look for the word talent, you wouldn't find a meaning like what we understand today. A talent in biblical times was actually a weight. It was a measure of weight, of a precious commodity. 
whether it's gold or silver or something else. Now, depending upon where you fell in the region, that weight would be somewhere between 65 and 75 pounds. So a talent of gold was about 65 to 75 pounds of gold. A talent of silver, 65 to 75 pounds of silver or some other precious commodity. So Jesus tells this parable, and we're not going to look at it today. I'd invite you to go and read it. Out of Matthew 25, where he says a, a master leaves. He goes on a trip, and he gives each three of his key managers talents. He gives one five talents, one two talents, and one one talent. And oftentimes we think, well, that poor guy that only got one. Only got one? 75 pounds of silver or gold? You know what that's worth in today's market? If it's gold, well over a million dollars. See, friends, when we talk about even just a single talent, we're very rich and we're very blessed. And Jesus talked in that passage, he's actually the one to draw the parallel between a monetary talent and how we understand talent today. Dictionary.com defines a talent as a natural gifting or aptitude, right? It's something that we possess. It's a gift of some sort. It's something we're kind of good at. And actually, Jesus is the one that helps us understand talent in that way, primarily based out of that parable. That's why I entitled today's message, We're Gifted Because We Are. God didn't forget anyone. And you feel like, well, I'm not that talent. You, we all have at least one, and that's worth well more than a million bucks in God's kingdom. God didn't miss anyone. There's no mistakes. And so for any of us here today who may be going, I don't know what I bring to the table Know that you bring a lot to the table, and God sees that in you, and he's going to redeem that and restore that and use it in incredible ways. And as we do that, we're going to be living out what is our take-home point, point for today. It's the one point that I hope to make from Scripture as we look at Romans 12, and it's this. Our natural talents and God-given spiritual gifts are given for God's glory and to benefit others. We don't get to hoard these things. We give them away. That's why this sermon series, is, this message series is entitled Open-Handed Living. We give it away because as we do, we glorify God and others come to know him as a result. So let's look at that passage. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, I'd invite you to turn to Romans chapter 12. The words will also be up on the screen. But before we get into the passage, let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We praise you for who you are. Lord, I pray that as we look at the truth of your scripture that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would reveal to us your truth and your love. Lord, that you would encourage us as only you can, challenge us, convict us. Father, that we may look more like Jesus, that we would reflect him by the power of the Holy Spirit every day. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 12, we're going to start by looking at verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul said this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Remember, we started this message by talking about the relationship we get to have with the God of the universe, and that's primary, right? The Apostle Paul kicks off this passage by reaffirming those words. He actually says something 
that Christians throughout the ages have come to understand pretty quickly once you come to know Jesus. God wants all of us, every last bit. He wants us to be all in. There is no part of our life, there is no sphere of influence, there's nothing that we think, say, or do of which God doesn't want to say, that's mine. That's mine. To be used for his honor and his glory. And if you're thinking, my goodness gracious, that sounds like a lot. It is. It is a lot. He wants everything. But if we're honest, there's lots of areas of our life where people want us to be all in, right? Like our spouses probably want us to be all in for good reason. Our families want us to be all in. Our workplaces want us to be all in. Heck, even our hobbies want us to be all in. If I had a nickel for every coach that was like, I need 110% from you today, mathematically impossible, but we tried, right? I want you to be all in, they would say. And Jesus is no different. Thank you for laughing at that. Yeah, Jesus is no different. He wants us to be all in. And the apostle Paul gives us this incredible image of sacrificing our very bodies everything that we are to God as a spiritual act of worship, are we all in? Is that relationship that we get to have with God the Father, is that the primary thing in our life? Are we investing that time? And Paul says that as we go on, as we submit, which is not a popular term in our culture, but as we submit to the role of the Father, God begins to do some incredible things in us, right? This is what happens when we sit with God, is he begins to transform us. I love the NIV translation where it says that God actually begins to renew our minds. Think about that. The God of the universe comes in and begins to restore us so that the way that we think, Paul says in the the NLT, change the way you think. Why is that important? Let's be honest. If you spend like 10 to 15 minutes in my mind, it needs redeemed. It needs redeemed. I'm sure your mind is exactly the same way. Maybe not on your best day, but think about those other days, right? When those lies start to begin to crop up, right? And you're like, hmm, I wonder where that comes from. And why is that? It's because we're broken, we're fallen, the scripture says. You know, we're all broken in some way. And we're all in need of redemption and we're all in need of a savior. And so those lies go, you know what? You don't have any talent. You can't persevere through this. You're not going to make it. This is too much. You should probably have one more drink. That's what our mind says. But scripture, which is the primary means by which God renews our minds, right? And through that presence of the Holy Spirit, as we sit with the Father, we begin to think differently And the Lord brings to mind things that are contrary to our nature. And so instead of thinking that we have no talent, we remember, no, I'm worth at least 60 to 75 pounds of pure gold. That's the talent that's in me. That's what God has gifted me. The Lord says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We proof text that a bit, but there's a sense in which that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And as I lean on him and rely on him, he empowers me to do that which I could not do on my own. I can persevere. He will see me through to completion. He will do this work in and through his people that he has called us to do. And I don't need to rely upon the things of this world to make it. I need to rely upon him. And so God begins to renew our minds. Paul says that as our thinking changes, we can actually begin to discern the will of God for our lives. 
which is something all of us want to know. Lord, what would you have me do? What's your will for my life? And Paul's pretty clear. As we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God as a spiritual act of worship, he begins to renew and restore us, and then we are able to begin to discern what God's will is for us, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's how the NIV states it. But it starts with that relationship, and God begins to renew and restore us. We can't get to the talent oftentimes until we invest that time in the relationship. And friends, as a doer, I'm terrible at this step. I'm like, God, what are we going to do? He's like, I want you to sit there and wait a little bit. Yeah, but what are we going to do? Well, I just want you to kind of rely upon me, and I'm going to show you. Yeah, but what are we going to do? I'm like the kid in the back. Dad. Dad, when are we going to get there? Dad. Dad, how long? Dad. And he's like, son, I love you, but can it? You'll do in a bit. Right now, I'm shaping and transforming you into who you ought to be. And as we're shaped and transformed, Paul says that the Lord will begin to move and work in us. He will invite us to be a part of his work. Now, Paul doesn't launch into that work just yet. One thing I love about the Apostle Paul is, and we saw this a lot in Galatians, we worked through that this summer, he actually tells us the pitfalls before we actually get there. You can tell Paul's work with people a lot, right? He's like, here's what you need to do, here's where you're going to screw up, here's what God's going to do once you get over yourself. Thank you, Paul, that's very helpful. And so, in verses 3, 4, and 5, Paul outlines that. He says this, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. You should pay attention when that's in the Bible. Don't think of yourselves, or don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are, we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Now, up to this point, Paul has instructed us on the primacy of our relationship with Jesus, right? Everything flows from that. We have to be in that relationship with him. And as we do that, God begins to renew and restore us. He begins to work. We begin to discern the very will of God. That's incredible. And then he says, but watch out. Well, watch out for what? He says, listen, at that point, you should take an honest assessment of yourself. I had a professor in college who said, you oftentimes in ministry ought to do an internal diagnostic. Those are terrifying because it reveals who we truly are, right, when no one else is around. So why does Paul tell us to take an honest assessment of ourselves? Well, sometimes we think we're really good at stuff that we're not good at. We're just not. Sometimes we still are battling with that thoughts, those thoughts or those beliefs that you're not good enough for this, and we are. God can use that. Sometimes we just have to get past us. Sometimes we think we know way more than what we actually do. I call that my 20s. Right? I knew everything. Every year I get past 29, it's like, man, how much I don't know. It's incredible to me that I knew so much and now I know so little. But Paul, thank you, dear. Uh, but Paul is great. He's saying you've got to take an honest interpretation of where you are because oftentimes, friends, we're ready to charge hell with a water pistol and God's like, are you ready? Are you? And we're like, yeah, give me the super soaker. We're going to wipe out demons. It's going to be like Rambo in a spiritual sense. And so like we're ready to go. We're going to take all this stuff. We're going to take the hill. We're going to die in a blaze of glory, right? And God's like, why don't you go fetch water? And we go, 
well, no, I'm ready to go do that. And he says, no, maybe, maybe not quite yet. When I think of times in my life where I've prayed something like that or yearned for something like that, there's been other seasons in my life where God has told me or called me or asked me to do something, and I go, thank God you didn't ask me to do that five years ago. That would have killed me. But God increases our measure of faith, right? And then there's other times where we think we're ready, but we're really not. I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, I went away on, on a retreat, a personal retreat. I try to do one every year. I'm very grateful for a family who allows me to do this. I go to a cabin, I fast, I pray, I seek the Lord. It's some of the most valuable time that I get throughout the year. It's something that, that frankly, I very much enjoy. And so a couple years ago, I, I was away on retreat. Towards the end of the retreat, I stay at a camp in the Laurel Highlands, and it was a beautiful morning, and I thought, I'm going to just go walk and praise God, thank Him for everything that He's kind of worked out in me, right? And I was just thinking about what God had done and how incredible it was, and it was one of those moments where I was like, God, just use me, right? You ever have these prayers? God, use me, do what, whatever you want to do. Like, I'm ready, close to, like, move my family to Africa type stuff, right? Like, that's the level of commitment I'm feeling in that moment. And as I'm walking through the camp, I'm just praising God and praying and thinking about how awesome he is and kind of how awesome I am that I'm this close with God. It reminds me of like when Adam and Eve got to walk with God in the cool of the day without the vanity. And so I'm walking with God and I'm thinking just about how incredible he is. And I walk past a couple of maintenance guys and they're working on the sprinkler system. And the Lord says very clearly, I get this sense, pray for the maintenance guys. And I said, no. And I kept walking. I'm ready, close, to move my family to Africa, but he's like, listen, let's start with praying for maintenance workers. And I'm like, no. Why? Because I felt kind of dumb. Like, they're burly maintenance guys. You know, they're fixing the sprinkler. They're sweating. I'm wearing Crocs. You know? I, like, I'm on vacation while they're laboring, you know? And so God and I are going back and forth, and he's like, you're ready to do, like, why won't you go do this? I'm like, Okay, I'll do it. Well, by this point, they had moved on, so I had to circle camp like 16 times looking for these guys. Oftentimes better to just obey the word of the Lord when it comes. So I finally find them, and uh, I walk up, and I say, hey, I'm just walking, praying for the camp. Can I pray for you this morning? And the lead maintenance guy's like, what'd you say? I'm like, this is more awkward now. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm just walking and praying. Can I pray for you today? And he said, yeah, would you? Everything is breaking. And I'm really overwhelmed. And he started to tear up. And so I prayed for him. I prayed for him. Now, was that a great thing in the eyes of the world? No. But in the eyes of God, yeah. I was ready to do this great thing for God. And he was just saying, would you be used greatly by me? Would you just do what I tell you to do and trust that I'll give you what you need along the way? Paul is very wise when he tells us to take an honest assessment of ourselves because how can I be ready to go do those things if I'm not ready to go pray for that, those couple of guys? Paul also says, hey, this isn't a solo journey, right? We think about that a lot in America. That's why I kind of like the Avengers. Like, hey, they got to assemble. It's part of the uh, slogan, Avengers assemble. And then when they come together, and then they're able to take on the bad guy. In the same way, we in the Christian faith, we can't do this on our own. We're part of a body. And the incredible image about a body is, is that we rely upon each other to get done what needs to get done, to function. And we're all diverse. Each of us brings different things to the table. But when we come together as a collective, we reflect the glory of God in a way that none of us can do on our own. 
And I know diversity is kind of like one of those hot topic, you know, hot button words, but there is a diversity to this. It doesn't mean that we get to do whatever we want. It means we get to do what God wants us to do. And we bring all of that together. We should just fight the whole time because we're people. And when you get that many opinions in a room, my gosh, we should just crumble. But if we're unified by the Holy Spirit, doing what God has called us to do, loving one another as Jesus says we ought, then there's this incredible image of a body moving forward, reflecting more fully who Jesus is than we could ever do on our own. After all of that, Paul says, now here's what you get to do. And you're thinking, you just took two-thirds of the message to talk about what we actually get to do. If we do the two-thirds, the last third's easy. And by easy, we'll at least know what to do and we'll rely on God as we walk it out. So Paul says this, Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. What I love about this list is that that stuff just seems so normal. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives us another list, and those are what we consider more power gifts, and those are alive and active we hold here at New Life today. But outside of prophecy in the Romans 12 passage, they seem fairly normal. And frankly, in Scripture, prophecy most often isn't some sort of divine foretelling. That does happen on occasion. But usually prophecy is simply declaring the word of the Lord. I get to do that today. I get to declare the word of the Lord to all of us. And so in that way, I get to share a gift with you in the way that God has enabled me through his divine providence, wisdom, and frankly, with his grace. And so even with prophecy, there's a large portion of it that's pretty normal. Are there occasions when divine foretelling happens? Yeah. But mostly, scripturally, we get to declare the word of the Lord. But look at the rest of the list. Serving, teaching, encouraging, leading, being kind, right? Regular things that regular folks ought to do every day, right? We're thinking, well, if it's so regular, why is it a spiritual gift? Well, remember our take-home point. Our natural talents and God-given gifts are given for God's glory and to benefit others. So, here's the deal, guys. Even if we don't know Jesus, we have talents. We have talents. I've had many teachers, some of whom who were excellent, who did not know Jesus. And yet they had a gift, they had a talent for teaching. Why is that? Because we're made in the image of God. And God's a good and gracious Father. And because of that, that image... Some of it still shines forth, and we have natural things that we're just good at. Some of us can sing, others of us can't. Some of us can balance a checkbook, others of us are thankful for online banking, right? But those are a natural talent. But when we come to know Jesus, we're given spiritual gifts on top of those natural talents. It's as if God infuses what he's already given us to further his kingdom in ways that we can't even possibly begin to discern. It's like when the worship team's up here, right? And they're able to use and leverage those talents in a gifting that the Lord has called them to. And they're able to see God move in ways that they couldn't, frankly, on their own. 
I don't think it's accidental or coincidental. I frankly think it's on purpose that Paul lists some normal things here. Because we talk here at New Life about being about the work of Jesus and everything we think and say and do everywhere we live and work, learn and play. We can do this wherever we are. Oftentimes we think of spiritual gifts, we think, well, those are only for the church. No, they're not. They're for the entire world so that why people come to know Jesus, that God is glorified, that the community is built up for his honor and for his glory. Sure, we'll get to serve in the church, but God wants us to be about his work everywhere we are. God gives us talents and gifts to be used for his glory everywhere we are and everywhere we go. It means that we get to serve the world in our everyday lives. There's a disconnect in the American church that I frankly don't understand, that we think like, well, when I go to work, like I turn this portion of my life off. No, you don't. We get to be bearers of Jesus' image. We get to be about his work everywhere we're called to be. Think about this as you're heading to work tomorrow or as you're at home tomorrow, or whatever God has you doing tomorrow. Think about this. God has called me to this place. I am here for a reason, for a purpose, beyond what I even know. I am here to be God's kingdom agent in this place, to bring his glory into darkness, to let light shine where there is no light. I am here right now as an agent of God, and I get to use my natural talents and whatever God-given gift he chooses to bestow upon me today to be about his work. Martin Luther has this incredible passage that really gets to the heart of it. He said this, A Christian shoemaker doesn't glorify God by inscribing a cross on every shoe he makes, but by making really good shoes. What Martin Luther understood is that as we're about our work, whatever God has called us to do, however we're gifted or talented, we do it in such a way as to God's honor and God's glory. And folks will say, why are you doing it like that? Because I love Jesus and he's called me to this work. And I love you too. Because that's what Jesus has called me to in this place. We all think oftentimes we're going to go storm hell with a water pistol. But will we fetch water for our Lord? Will we be faithful in those things. There's a beauty when we combine our natural talents with the supernatural gifting of God. Watchman Nee makes this point quite clear in his book, The Normal Christian Life. He says, if you have someone who's a great speaker and you ask her to administrate an event, she's going to pray like crazy to administrate because her gift is actually speaking. If you have a talented administrator and you ask him to speak, he's going to pray like crazy because his natural talent is to administrate. But if you ask the speaker to speak, and you ask the administrator to administrate, and they pray as if they were doing the other thing, oh, what God can do. Oh, what God can do. As he brings about his kingdom out of our natural gifts and talents and abilities. And here's the cool thing. Sometimes he calls us to do stuff that's really uncomfortable. Like, there have been times when I've been in prayer and the Lord's like, you should go do that. And I know that I could do it, I just don't want to. Because that's my, I'm stubborn by my nature. I am. I've been very open with you guys about that throughout, throughout the years here at New Life. My general response to God is no. No, Lord, I don't, you don't really want me to do that. I take, I take great comfort that biblically there's great track record for people telling God no. I'm trying to get better at that. I'm trying to just say, okay, God, here we go. 2020 taught me that a lot, if I'm honest. 
But see, there's, there's times where he'll say, go do this. And it's like, well, no, I'm, I know that I have that. But then there's other times when he'll say, I want you to do this thing. And I'll go, don't even lie and tell me that I'm gifted there because I know I'm not. And he goes, yeah, but I'm going to provide for you along the way. And then we get to walk that out. We get to for his honor and for his glory. The lie, friends, is that that happens without the first two-thirds of the message. It doesn't. I'll be honest. I can't think of one time in my life where the Lord has prompted me in those ways when I have not been with him, reading his word, speaking with him. It's not like I was reading the Butler Eagle one day and I had to divine epiphany. It never, that has never happened. If that has happened for you, praise God. And I'm so thankful that that's happened. But that's rare. We invest our time in things that bring us and others closer to Jesus. It's the most important relationship of which we get to be a part. God loves us more than we'll ever know, and he wants that relationship to flourish. And as part of that, we then begin to be invited into what he's doing. None of us are worthless. We all have something that we bring to the table. God has given all of us natural talents and supernatural gifts. I pray this every morning. Lord, use me for your purpose, whatever it may be. Pour forth your gifts in me to your honor, to your glory, and for your benefit. I just figure at that point, he can do whatever he wants. Whatever gift you want to manifest today for your honor and your glory, let it go. And don't let me get in the way of it as I'm about the work to which you have called me. Sure, I want to storm hell with a water pistol, but I'm really thankful that I got to pray for a couple maintenance guys. And I know that in the days and weeks to come, as I've seen so many of you do already, so many of us do already, that the Lord will call us blue collar, white collar, stay at home, going to work, teachers, accountants, construction workers, mill workers, it doesn't matter. God will call us to do things for him, for his honor and for his glory. We are gifted and talented through the power of the Holy Spirit to be about that work. And as we do, we'll glorify God, and this is our next step, and help others with our talents and gifts, most particularly this week. Friends, we want to be used by God. He's gifted each and every one of us uniquely for him. If we're about his work, if we're listening to his voice, he will speak to us this week. And we will get to be used greatly by our Father to do great things for him. I don't know what that looks like for each of us, but I know that when we do, our world will be transformed from here to the ends of the earth. Everywhere we live, everywhere we work, everywhere we learn, everywhere that we play. Our minds will be renewed and transformed so that many would come to know him and grow to be like him. Amen? Amen. I've talked a lot today about that relationship that we get to have with the Father through the work of Jesus. And if you don't yet know Jesus, some of this may not make sense. And that's okay. Just know that Jesus came to this earth to live a life that we could not live to pay a penalty that we all should have paid. He died a death and rose again, something none of us could do to restore that relationship with God the Father. And if that's you here today, we'd invite you 
to take that next step, to come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus as Savior means he saves us from sin and death. Lord means he's our owner. He's our master. He gets to tell us what to do. That's why we say here at New Life, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple because we cry out to Jesus. It's not easy because it's a step that will take the rest of our lives as we yield daily to him and we become more like him in every way. If you would like to take that step today, we say it's as simple as A, B, C, admit, believe, confess. We admit that we're sinners in need of a savior. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the son of God and get, has the right to be our savior and Lord. And we confess, we confess our sin and we also confess the need for Jesus in our lives. So are you ready to admit, to believe and to confess that Jesus needs to be part of your life. We got to talk about talent today. And the incredible thing about God is that he extends to us so many great gifts. And the greatest gift of all is the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And if right now the Lord is working in your heart and if you've yet to take that next step, that commitment, make that commitment to him as savior and Lord, man, I'd love for you to do that today. I'm gonna pray here in a moment. And as I pray, I would ask that you don't have to recite the exact words that I'm saying, but in your heart that you would agree and in your own way express to the Lord that you need him, that you admit that you are in need of him and that as we confess and believe that he is who he says he is, then I would invite you to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord today. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you and praise you for this opportunity we have to come before you. I thank you that you are a good God who loves us more than life itself. God, I would ask and pray right now for any who are watching online who do not yet know you, I pray that you would move in their hearts. Move in such a way, Father God, as to show them, to reveal to them all of who you are. And in response to that, Father, I ask that they would simply say, Lord, I need you in my life. I need you as Savior and Lord. I confess that I'm not who I ought to be without you. And that with you, I will have life, life to the full, and so, Father God, come into my life, rule and reign as only you can. I pray that as I take this next step, step that will last the rest of my life, that I'll walk it out faithfully with you each and every day. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen.